thank all of you in the audience here today and our listening audience, our viewing audience through uh, various uh, social media platforms. We want to thank you so much. I would like to say that, that we are doing various things around the world in every nation where we have um, some ministry, which is a great number of nations in Asia, Africa, uh, Europe, here, uh, the Middle East, uh, here at home, of course, and uh, in the islands of the sea. We are trying to do what we can do to alleviate suffering around the world. Our brothers and sisters are suffering, and that's why we are doing this ministry. We are uh, helping them in their hour of need. I want to just say again, uh, just uh, uh, welcome to Resurrection Sunday. Welcome to First Fruits. Welcome to Passover. Those are the names for what we are doing today, uh, and uh, we want to talk a bit about that. I try to, every se at every season, uh, resurrection season, to talk a bit about Passover and the resurrection. Um, I, I'm, my message is actually a little bit perhaps peculiar because today is resurrection, but I'm going to talk about Passover. I want to talk about Passover because without Passover, there's no resurrection. Um, uh, Paul made a, made a statement. Paul made a statement in um, Acts chapter 23, verse 6. He made a statement when he said, um, and he had been arrested, falsely arrested. He had been accused of taking Gentiles into the temple, and, uh, which was not true. And uh, so many of the Jewish leaders were very angry with him. They wanted an excuse to, to stamp out Christianity, to stamp it out. And so when Paul was, uh, had been arrested to protect his life, he, was, he said in the council, they had brought him before the council, and he said, men and brethren, I'm a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, Concerning the hope of the resurrection of the dead, I am being judged. Concerning the hope of uh, the resurrection uh, of the dead, I am being um, judged. And so what Paul, what Paul is saying here is that, is that the resurrection is a very, very important thing. And what happened when Paul said that the council was divided, the Sanhedrin was divided, the Sadducees and the Pharisees were divided because they had different views of the resurrection. Now, you and I have the proper view, the right view, regardless of what somebody says. We have the proper view of the resurrection. Um, a few days ago, Pastor uh, Jackson, uh, one of our pastors, Pastor Jackson Lindsay, who is uh, the pastor of the um, youth here in our fellowship, uh, was saying to me, he said, Pastor, it's very interesting that on the first Resurrection Sunday, the very first Resurrection Sunday, the disciples were behind closed doors. They were practicing self-isolation or sheltering in place because of the fear of the Jewish leaders. And I thought that is very interesting because we find ourselves that way also. Now, I'm sure that the first disciples did not think that they were somehow being um, unfaithful to, to Jesus Christ because they were sheltered, as it were, in place. And I want to reassure you that at this juncture, you are not, you are not at all unfaithful to God or unfaithful to Jesus because we are not meeting here. We do not want to show that we are rebellious because we're not rebellious. Our hearts are always to please the Lord and to obey civil authorities. We will always obey civil authorities unless they say you cannot worship at all. And they are not saying that. They are not saying that. And we want to do what is in the public good. 
Uh, Christ himself made a personal appearance to those disciples while they were uh, behind closed doors. And my prayer today is that Jesus would make an appearance at your home. My prayer is that Jesus would come uh, in any form he chooses and cause you to know that he is with you while you are, as it were, in self-isolation or sheltered in place. Uh, we, and so the, the, the Passover was first and then the resurrection, so I want to share a bit about that. Before I get into that, let me talk a little bit about the cross because without the cross, without what Jesus did, you and I would not be here today. We would not be saved. We would not have the hope uh, of eternal life. We would not have the hope of a resurrection just like Christ's resurrection. Now, sometimes we hear these things over and over, and we seem to sometimes get like, as it were, inoculated against them. But I want you today to not allow this to just be common language, and you're not excited. You're not excited. It would be a terrible thing if you were married, and you walked into the house uh, of, of your loved one, and your loved one uh, had not seen you in several weeks, and they would go say, oh, hi. It would be such a sad thing. So you want some excitement, and uh, I want you to be excited when you hear the name Jesus, and when you hear the name Jesus, the resurrected Christ, even more excited. Jesus is so important to everything. He is actually indispensable to everything. That means we cannot do without Jesus. We can do without a lot of things, a lot of people, but we cannot do without Jesus. So, in Luke chapter 23, 34, we hear Jesus uttering the words, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Jesus was on the cross forgiving those who were actually consenting to his murder and had been a part of his crucifixion. At, uh, in the second thing that Jesus said in Luke 23, uh, verse 43, he said to the thief, the repentant thief, today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise. So we see this amazing uh, Jesus on the cross dying, but taking care of business even while he was dying. He was not thinking about himself. He forgave the murderers. He forgave a, a repentant thief. And the third thing in John chapter 19, verses 26 to 27, he said, I saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby. And he said to his mother, said to Mary, woman, behold your son. And he said to the disciple, behold your mother. So what Jesus did, he entrusted his mother to John and said, John, take care of, of her like she is your mother. Because at that juncture, Jesus' own brothers and sisters did not believe in him. He was dying. They did not believe in him. But there's coming a resurrection. And this is what we have to look for. And then in John uh, 19, verses 28 and 29, Jesus, being on the cross, uttered the words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, some people think, and I've heard it taught, that Jesus somehow was shrinking back and was all despondent, and that was just a normal human emotion. I don't believe it for a moment. I don't believe it for a moment. I think that question is more for you and me than it was for Jesus, because Jesus is crying out, He cannot touch God. He cannot find God because he has taken on the sin of the whole world, my sin and your sin. Now, I want you to know that I am glad he took my sin because without him taking my sin, I would be forever and eternally lost, and you would too. So he asked why. Why? Because God had placed our sin upon him. He, he was our sin bearer. He was our sin offering, 
and he, and he could not touch God, but yet he worshipped in faith. So the question, why have you forsaken me, is not for God to answer, it's for you to answer. It's for you to answer. That question is for you. Why did God actually not have holy and sweet communion with his son? It was because his son was taking on our transgressions, our wrong. This is why this day is so important. I, I don't like picking fights. I don't like picking fights, and I will not pick a fight. But that, this day is so important that I refuse to call it Easter. I think it's just such a travesty to call it Easter. This is resurrection. This is first fruits. And we, when we say first fruits, we mean that Jesus is the first fruits of those who slept or those who died. He is the very first human to get out of the grave, never to die again. So that's an important date. It's resurrection. It portends our own resurrection. It's like a prophecy that you and I who believe in Jesus will also have a resurrection like his. So it's too important. It's also Passover. That means that because of the blood of Jesus, God the Father has passed over us. He has not destroyed us. The destroyer cannot destroy us. Why? Because the blood. He says, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. And then the fifth thing he says, I am thirsty. I thirst. I am thirsty. On the cross, he was saying, I am thirsty. And he fulfilled the scripture by saying, I am thirsty. And when they gave him, uh, uh, when he was, he was crying out, they had given him some, some sour wine, but he tasted it and then refused it. The thing, next thing he said, when he knew that the hour was almost up, that is, the hour when he was to die would be about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, about it's the, the, the evening offering. Uh, the Jews had a morning offering at 9 a.m., and they had an evening, evening offering, offering at 3 o'clock, and it was about that time, and he knew it without a watch because he was the maker of time. And he said these words, It is finished. That is, no more to pay. Everything that, that Father has given me to do, I have done it. And then he shows us that he was in charge of his own execution, though with wicked hands they had taken him, and they, had, had, they slew him with wicked hands, yet he was in charge. What, what an enigma. What a, what a puzzle. What an amazing truth. And we know he was in charge because he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he took his head, hung it in the lock of his shoulder. And he died. He died. You and I are, are separated in various places, but the power of Jesus' sacrifice will be forever. It's an eternal sacrifice. And forever and ever and ever, we will be saved by that one offering. One offering. I'd like to share with you my heart about those things that happened prior to the resurrection. I'd like to share with you about the Passover and its significance to all we believe and hold dear. Without the Passover, 
there is no resurrection. I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. Paul talks, talks about Passover in a, in a very powerful way, a very peculiar way, and I want you to understand it. Today, you and I, in my view, are like untouchable people. That, that is, that no one can ever change or destroy your essence. No one can ever change or destroy your essence. It's an impossibility because of what Jesus Christ has done. Now, look what the, the Scripture says. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? So what he means is when you're making bread, you take yeast and you put it in the, in the dough, you, take, you put it in the dough, then th that invisible thing, it becomes invisible, it's in the dough, but it works its way through everything, all the dough. So Paul says in verse 7, Therefore purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. And then Jesus is called our Passover. Jesus is our Passover. We'll explain that in, in more depth in just a moment. Jesus is our Passover. Now, Paul says to his audience, the Corinthians, purge out, remove all sin from your life. Remove sin from your life. Because you are because you're a new creation in Christ, you are truly, in the eyes of God, unleavened. There's no yeast in you because God sees you as a finished work. I've said many times here at the fellowship that were it not for time and space, you would be perfect because time and space are the limiting factors. Nothing else can limit because what Jesus has done for the believer is a finished work already. It's not like it will be finished one day. That's why this is such an important day. Let me hurry along. Paul tells us in verse 8, Therefore let us keep the feast, let's keep the feast, let's keep the celebration, let's keep the wish, worship, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice, nor wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And what Paul is saying is we're not going to go through, and I say this respectfully, we're not going to go through the old rituals of, of Passover. No, we're not going to do that. We're not, we're not going to have malice in our heart, ill will toward people in our heart. We will not have any wickedness in our hearts or minds, but we will serve God with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. We will be sincere with God. We will be simple, clean, pure, and set apart and with truth. That's what we will do. And so Paul, in the context of this, Paul was dealing with an issue in the church where there was sin in the church and people had the attitude, well, let's just leave it alone. If anybody says that, they're wrong. Because Jesus Christ died to take our sins away. And, and we must worship him with sinless life. That is, everything you know is wrong in you, confess it. That's what this is about. I'd like to just take you um, uh, quickly to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12, verses 27, and through as many as we can read. In uh, verse 27, he says, you shall say it is the Passover of the Lord. He was talking about the, the, the Passover. And, uh, and this is what God was telling Moses, it is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord 
who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households. So the people bowed their heads and worshiped. So let's look at Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Let's turn back now to Exodus chapter 12, verse 1. Because the, the children of Israel taught their children about Passover. Let me ask a question. Do our children know about Passover? Do they know about resurrection? Do they know about first fruits, that Jesus is the first person to, die, uh, to, write, raise, uh, to be raised rather from the dead, to die no more? Do they know that? They must know that. It's not about Easter eggs and bunnies and all those things. That's what I call cultural Christianity. I trust that my tone is not too harsh for you or too hard. I don't want to be too hard for you, but I will always tell you the truth. Amen? So uh, let's look at verse 1. It says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. So Passover speaks of a new beginning for them and for us. So what Passover says, this season says that you and I were transgressors, we were sinners, we were God-haters, not God-fearers, and Jesus died for us and gave us a new beginning. What we, where we were headed was for e eternal damnation, and Jesus intersected our lives and said, I don't want you to go there. Would you receive me? And we said yes. Somehow we said yes. And I often say that we said yes, not by our own power and strength, but by an infusion of the power and strength of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3 tells us, um, the, the instruction goes on. It says, speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying on the 10th of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. A very, very powerful thing. This is what happened. This is why we have resurrection. Because in Egypt, uh, 3,500 years ago or so, uh, the, then uh, the Egyptians were outside looking at the, the Israelites, ready to pounce on them, ready to further make their enslavement uh, harsher. But something was going on. And I want to say that for the believer, something is going on regardless of what you see, feel, or think. Something is going on even today. He says, a lamb for a household. Four, verse 4 says, and if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your account for the lamb. The celebration of Passover was centered in the homes. And so right now, it's, it's very interesting. Right now, we are celebrating where? In our homes. This is powerful. All over the, the world, believers are celebrating in their homes. And God's word is just so true. Now, he says, a lamb for a household. That's very significant because Jesus died for the sin of the whole world. And we know that Jesus died for one household, that is, Adam's household. And so his Sacrifice is what we call efficacious or highly effective, highly effective. But they took the lamb into the house on the 10th and they kept, it, kept that lamb in that house for four days. Can you imagine keeping the lamb in your house for four days and then you're asked to kill the lamb, to slay the lamb, to cut its throat, to, to take the blood and put it on the lentils uh, uh, and the doorposts of your house? Wow, this is what had happened to, to the Israelites. And it, it, it had to hurt. It needed to hurt. I believe that if you and I could be casual about sin, well, Jesus saved me, Jesus saved me, that's cool. You know, and like it's, it, it, there's not any pain there. There's pain in my life when I think about who I was before Christ 
and what Jesus did for me to save me. It was not Jesus' transgression. It was my transgression. Jesus had no transgression. And he saved you. He saved me. Let's look at this. I, I, I love this. Uh, in verse 5, it says, The lamb shall be without blemish. And, uh, and so the apostle Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, he says, tells us that we were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, without sin. So Jesus was without sin, and he says we were, were, were uh, not redeemed. We were not bought back to God with anything corruptible. We were not uh, brought back to God with anything that was earthly, but we were brought back to, to God by the eternal Son of God. Let, let's read a little bit more. His blood is the price of our redemption. I want you to know that. His blood is the price of our redemption. His death is the price of our redemption. You may have been the worst of sinners. You may have been the worst of sinners. But if you should come to Jesus, his blood can cleanse you. His blood can cleanse you. No matter how bad you've been, his blood cleanses you. And if you're in this audience today and you're a believer, but you're plagued by some sin that you committed years ago, or maybe last week, whatever it was, you committed a sin and your heart breaks for it. That's a good thing that your heart breaks for it. You should weep over your sin and say, God, thank you for saving me with the precious blood of Jesus, the innocent, spotless lamb, the one who never sinned in thought, word, or deed, the one who was spotless and precious, highly prized by God, gave his life for you. And so you should weep over your sin as I weep over mine. So whom he cleanses, he forgives. And we want to know that. Those that Jesus cleanses by his blood, he forgives. And so the cleansing is, is equal to the sacrifice. So that means that Jesus uh, lives forever. And because he lives forever, your cleansing is forever. He forgives all sin. You confess your sin. He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So the forgiveness has equal weight with the sacrifice. Wow. Jesus loves you. And Jesus is eternal. Therefore, your forgiveness is, is, is not to be determined. No, your forgiveness has equal weight with the life of the sacrifice. Wow. Isn't he amazing? In Isaiah 1, verse 18, Isaiah talks about sin. And I wanted to spend a little time here because I felt convicted. I felt like I should spend a little time here uh, with you today because Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 1, 18, he says, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool, like the bright white lamb's wool. They shall be like that. So it's amazing. God set the bar. That means the price for our forgiveness so high that no one in creation could ever match it. You know, the, the value of our forgiveness is the very value of God. Wow. Isn't that huge? That's huge to me. I've said before, I don't worry about Satan. I'm not trying to be cavalier. I'm not trying to be, you know, just so cute or anything about Satan. Satan can't afford me because he can't match the price. Anything in creation cannot match the price. 
That's why your salvation is eternal. Your salvation is not temporary. Your, your salvation did not depend on you. No, it depends on the blood of Jesus. Your faith that Jesus can save you. The thief on the cross was, was there. Uh, he was one on the right, one on the, on the left. They were condemned criminals. They were criminals. They recognized that they were criminals. They were criminals. They recognized that. But listen, this is so amazing. This is so amazing. But one of them saw something different. One of them said, say, wait a minute. You know, we're angry with the world. But this man is forgiving those who crucified him? Those who have mistreated him? He said, hey, you're different. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says these words, today you will be with me in paradise. What comforting words. Though your sins, though, so, though, though, it doesn't matter how bad your sins are. They can be like scarlet, but they will be like wool. What an amazing reality. So what an amazing reality that Jesus had. Let me just say in verse 7, I won't read Exodus 12, 7 so much. Let me explain it. The blood of that animal was their deliverance as it prefigured the blood of Christ, whose blood is our deliverance. So our deliverance is not based on my performance. It's not how good I am, how strong I've been, how wonderful I've been, how perfect I've been. No, no. I am imperfect. I am imperfect. I want to be perfect, but I am as God sees, but in my real time, I'm imperfect. I'm walking out my perfection. Yes, I'm walking that out. But I, the way I walk today, if I should stumble, that doesn't define me. I am defined by what God says. He says, I'm a new creation. You are a new creation. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus, covered by the blood of Jesus, covered by, as it were, the most expensive thing in all creation, the blood of Christ. Wow. What a, what a currency. What a currency. Amazing. Bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's who you are. That's who you are. And I promise you today that that blood secures your eternal deliverance. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, he says, In him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. This is an amazing reality for every believer. Every believer. Now, when Jesus was betrayed, the scripture tells us that, that he, on, that, on that night he was betrayed, he took bread and uh, he broke it. He had given it to them. And he said to his disciples, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, which is shared for you. Broken, that, is, that it might be shared. We know that his bones were not broken on the cross. He says, do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so Jesus is telling us that, that uh, the cup, the blood, he says, uh, do it. It's the, it's the new covenant. It, it seals the new covenant. And this is what is so awesome is that as it seals the new covenant, this, this amazing blood, the blood of Christ, the blood of the Son of God seals the new covenant. What that means is his sacrifice, his offering was so efficacious. I want you to get that word, efficacious. It was so highly effective and valued 
that that blood still is, is, is alive today. Jesus has sprinkled the heavens, has sprinkled the mercy seat of God. And so that blood is the price of your forgiveness. That blood is the seal of the new covenant. That means this covenant will never be changed. It will never be broken. And that it's given on the veracity or the truthfulness of God. Wow. Now let me share a couple of things uh, as I hurry along. In verse n uh, 9 of Exodus 12, he says, don't eat the, 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 um, the sacrifice raw as, as heathens would, nor boil with water, but roast it in fire. Its head with its legs and its entrails, all of the in, in, uh, inside. So the whole sacrifice must be consumed. I want to say to those in, in my audience today, those b believers who think that, well, you don't have to do everything that God says. You know, there are some things you don't have to do that God says, and, and you can, nobody can do it all. Don't believe that. That's not the truth of God. He says you've got to take all of it. You don't take some pages out of the Bible and throw them away. No, you have to take all of the truth of God. Wow. And so this is what you and I must endeavor to do. So he said to the, to the Israelites who were there in Egypt about to be free, he says, you eat all, roast it and eat all of it. Let nothing remain till morning. And you notice that Jesus' body was not left on the cross till morning, but it was taken off the cross and buried hurriedly. And then he, he says um, in verse 12, I will pass through the land. God told him in verse 11 to eat it with haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Eat it with haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. So Egypt is a type of the world, uh, uh, and when we are saved, we leave our dependency on the world. God executes judgment against all of our false gods. You know, sometimes we think, well, I'm an American, or I'm a, a Westerner, and uh, I, don't, I never had false gods. Yes, we do. We had the false god of self-interest, the false god of self-centeredness, the false god of materialism, the false god of gluttony, the, god of, the false god of comfort, the, the, just plain speaking, the false god of money and economy. Now, he smites them. There are believers in my audience, I know, it's got to be. You, 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 you're so concerned about money now, you, you have no peace. I've lost maybe two, a third of my money. Maybe I've lost a bit more than that. Uh, let's get this economy going again, because that's our God. But see, the purpose of the Passover was to deal with all the false gods. Now, thank you, Jesus. The Egyptian god of reproduction and Isis, the god of love, who attended women at childbirth, was judged as impotent by that catastrophe of the 10th plague. And when God smote them all, he says, where are your gods? They were no gods. So it's an amazing thing that God is doing. Well, let me just say in, in uh, uh, verse 13, uh, we have been liberated from our bondage. We have been delivered from our bondage, liberated, liberated from our bondage. And that's, that's what resurrection is about. It's a show of being liberated. When Christ got out of that grave, it says, boy, liberated, totally. Death has no authority, no power, nothing. There's no power, or, or, there's no strength, because Jesus Christ went into death and defeated death because death was sin's power. And so he, when he went into death, he broke the bands of it. Wow, amazing, powerful, powerful. This is who we serve. But let me say, uh, in Egypt, the verse 13 says, Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, now listen to what God says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike 
the land of Egypt. Our homes are where we truly serve God first. Our homes are where we truly serve God first. He says, when I see the blood, God says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you for every believer, every believer in, my, in this audience today. When God sees the blood, you don't see the blood on, on the believer, but God sees it. We are blood-covered, blood-bought saints of God. And he says, I will pass over you. And may God pass over you. May nothing happen to you. None of this scourge will pass over you. The Lord said he would pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your house and strike you. That's what he said to, to this life. He said, I will, I will pass over the door. I'll see the blood. And I won't the, allow the destroyer to come into your house to strike you. Father, may this be the reality of everybody who hears my voice today. May this destroyer not touch them in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I thank you and I praise you. And, the, and I, I want to leave you in just a moment. But he says in verse 41, And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years on that very day, that very same day, it came to pass that all the armies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It's amazing how God was so meticulous and God is so meticulous with us. It was the Lord's Passover. It was the Lord's Passover. He has delivered us. He has delivered us. And he will still deliver us. He was lifted up for our, for our deliverance, for our redemption. And let us... Serve the Lord this day and bless his name forever. The scripture says, now before the Passover, the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. And Jesus loves you too, to the end. He will love you to the end. Jesus got out of the grave. Amazing, powerful. I want to read something that I wrote a number of years ago. Heaven waits with anticipation. Heaven rejoiced at the ascension. For the first time in the history of the heavens, a human had entered there. Jesus Christ, the God-man, entered the abode of spirits. And he entered with blood, his own blood. It was the price of redemption. He had purchased eternal redemption for mortals, human beings. With his blood, he sprinkled the mercy seat. He cleansed the heavens. Ah, Christ, 100% man and 100% God, entered heaven, a place where no man had ever trod before. He, being our forerunner, paved the way for us. Jesus entered heaven as a flesh and bone person and sat down on the throne of God. When Christ left heaven to come to earth, he left as the eternal Son of, of God, who is spirit. But in his return, he is now the eternal Son of God, a life-giving spirit with a human body, a flesh and bone body. Now, heaven waits in great anticipation of something never before seen there. Heaven awaits its new citizens, a company of humans who have flesh and bone like their Savior, Redeemer, the God-man, Jesus Christ, God's own Son. Now, 
for the second time in the history of the heavens, a man will enter heaven. He is called the new man, the body of Christ. He is composed of countless number of beings just like the great overcomer Jesus. This new man, redeemed from among men, will not be flesh and blood as we have known it, but human nevertheless. The new man cannot have blood because the only blood in heaven will be the blood of the Lamb of God upon the mercy seat, the price of our redemption. This is a glorious day, believers. This is a glorious day. And I want you to rejoice where you are. Where you are, I want you to rejoice. And we're going to sing a song that I think should be sung all over the world today. And this song is about Jesus and about you. It's running after me. 
Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running, it keeps running after me. I thought that would be so appropriate, this last song, because that is my history with God all of my life. He has been faithful. Not some of my life, not most of my life. All of my life when I didn't understand. And there were times in my life that I did not agree. Isn't that something? I did not agree. I thought God should be doing something else. But I know now. He's always motivated by his love for us. For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son that, that if you would believe in him, you would not perish. You'll never know perishing, but you would have everlasting life. We're going to pray now. I want you there in your homes. We're going to pray for you. We're going to bless you like we often bless you in the fellowship. And I'm going to ask you to, to repeat after me. God told Moses, uh, and Aaron, this is how you will bless my people. And so we want to bless you like God instructed uh, his leaders to bless. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to bless you. And remember, those whom God has blessed cannot be cursed. So we thank you for joining us this wonderful Resurrection Day. We, we want you to be true soldiers of Jesus Christ. And now I shall bless you in your homes or wherever you are by saying, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And the Lord give you his peace. In Jesus name, I bless you. Go with God. Continue to have a great day. All my life you have been faithful. Yes, all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Yes, I will. Of the goodness.